Okay, so we are deep into our series of getting some introductions for the Basilagani, whose theme is that our mission in life is to make from our world a home for Hashem. It's a very simple phrase, it makes a lot of sense. We in Labavitch, we in Chabad, we heard this many times. But I want to focus today on, on dividing, making from our lives a home to God into two very different areas in our lives. But I want to take a step back and I want to speak about the whole idea of everyone having a mission in life. And we all have a mission in life. There is a specific reason why your neshama was sent down to this world. What happens when the person fulfills their mission? Hi, Rabbi. Hi. What, what happened? I just wanted to say good Amazing. And then we miss you guys. Perfect timing. So here's the, here's the question, Shirley. If, if, a, if the Balshamtav says that a neshama comes to this world for 70 or 80 years only to do a favor for another yid, it's possible. Certain people have big missions. But let's say that I'm that neshama, that I was born here because there was a specific Jew that for whatever reason, I'm the one who has to help them. I won't necessarily meet them when I'm 90 years old. I might meet them when I'm 40 or when I'm 60. And let's hope that when I met them, I did my mission. I fulfilled my purpose and I did them that favor. What do you think will happen to me then? Many people think that if you fulfilled your mission, goodbye, shalom, but it's not that way. And I would like to share in the spirit of Yutas Kislev a story of the Alter Rebbe, but these are, very, these are very important ideas to know. There was, a, there was a great Jew by the name of Yosef. We, Chabad Hasidim, call him Yosef Beshenkovich because at the end of his life, he was the big mashpia in that city. Rabbi Yosef was a very scholarly person. He was a, he was a great example of a Jew. He was pious, he was learned, he was kind, he was a good family man, he made a good living, he was a working man. He had, he had what you would like to have with someone, a communal leader, we want to be like him. And many, he, had a, he had a very good effect on many Jews. Came a time where one of the larger cities near where he lived, their Rav passed away. They needed to get a new rabbi slash communal leader. And people decided that no one better than Yosef. And they sent a delegation and people knew him. He, he had interactions with all the people of the surrounding areas. And they proposed to him, he was probably then in his 60s or in his 70s, which then was already, he wasn't a young person. Um, and they told him that it would be an honor if he would accept the position of being their rabbi. Made sense to him, it made sense to his wife, but being a chassid of the Alter Rebbe, he went to get a bracha from the Rebbe. He comes into the Alter Rebbe in Yechidis, he tells the Alter Rebbe the proposal that was made for him, and the Alter Rebbe tells him that you should become a wagon driver. Just like that. Now a wagon driver, even though that in the America that I grew up in, every job was amazing. Every job, people were educated to have the dignity of, of working, 
even a janitor. Parenthetically, when I was in yeshiva in Miami, there was a, a, a couple in Korn Heights that they wanted to go on shlichas, and at that time, the yeshiva and the organization Chabad in Miami wasn't in the best of financial uh, places to hire someone new. This guy wanted to go on shlichas so badly. I can say his name, but Mendel writes this. I have such respect to him. He says, you have a janitor? I'll be the janitor. I want to work for the Rebbe. I care, janitor, uh, a position. But yeah, you work, which is a beautiful work ethic. In Eastern Europe, it wasn't that way. It was a culture, and maybe till today, where there's like a hierarchy. Your type of job really meant who you are. People defined you by that. And the lowest rung of the ladder was a wagon driver. A wagon driver needed to clean the horses. It was a very dirty job. It was a smelly job. It was something that maybe like today, ah, janitor, that would be the wagon driver. It was a very lowly position and it was shocking for the Alter Rebbe to tell a Jew like him, who was already not young, who was qualified for that job. He was a great scholar. He was a kind man. He should become a wet. It was absurd. He comes home. He was disappointed. He shared with his wife what the Alter Rebbe told him. His wife heard the disappointment in his voice and oh, did she give it to him. She tells him, you're disappointed? The Rebbe tells you, you have to become a wagon driver. You should dance. You know what you were created for. Go become a wagon driver. And, the, and he went and he was inspired and he went to the, he needed to learn to trade. So he went to the wagon driver corner in the city and he told him that he wants to be a wagon driver. He needs someone to teach him the, the, how, how does it work. When people witnessed that, they thought that Yosef became senile. And they sent a message to his wife, she should call a doctor. It was like a crazy story. And she said, no, 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 my husband is not senile. The Rebbe told him to become a wagon driver. And it was demeaning, it was strange for everyone. And he needed to learn how to clean horses, how to hitch the carriage to the horse. And the, to make things the worst is that he davened. He was a davener. His davening was not 20 minutes. It took him a few hours to daven. So finally, when he had a horse and a buggy, no one wanted to hire him. Because if you have to get from here to there, this guy is davening. And then in the middle, he's davening mincha. He davened many hours in the day. But the niche was that if he wanted to transport merchandise, he was a trustworthy person. And it was weird. People got used to it. Yosef became Yosef Balagola. And if you had something of value, you would give it to him. You know that it would get there two days after what's called snail mail, whatever you call the mail today. He was but trustworthy. And he made a parnasa, and that and life went on. A few years into his Balagola career, he was going on a trip, and his minig was he came to a place, no one Bachal went with him, he woke up early in the morning, and he would daven. He he ended up by divine providence staying in an inn, where in that inn was a Jew who was born Jewish, who converted out. He converted out because he had an opportunity to marry a noble woman who found, who found him, who wanted to marry him. But for him to marry her, he has to shmad. And he, many years before, so he shmad and he married this non-Jewish woman and he had a non-Jewish family and he lived a life of a Goyish nobleman. Lost to the community. And he wakes up in the morning and he hears Yosef Balagala Davanik. And he has never heard a Jew daven like this before. And it touched him. It brought back his childhood. And he, and he knocked on the door and he told Yosef that I would like to put on your tefillin. I haven't put on tefillin for who knows how many years. And, and, and over the next few days, 
this Jew became a Balshuva. There are certain details of the story. It's a very, very long story. He, he was married, he had children. He became very ill. He mamish became a Balshuva. He left his family. It was very difficult then to do that. There was also a danger aspect in doing that because you marry into a noble family and you go back to your Jewish roots. He became a Balshuva and he decided he's going with Yosef to the Rebbe. This happened mamish by the time that the Alter Rebbe passed away. And by the time both of them made it to the Rebbe, who was the Rebbe? The, 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 the middle Rebbe. And, and Yosef brings this Jew in. And the middle Rebbe has a big Yechidus with him. And he told this Jew what he needs to do to rectify the wrongs of his past. He walks into Yechidus. When he walks in, the middle Rebbe's face was shining. And he tells Yosef, that the, my father just came to me, the father who passed, the Rebbe who had passed away, and he told me to tell you that you fulfilled your mission. And then the Mittal Rebbe went on to say like this, that the Alter Rebbe, my father, took a Jew, a scholar, a pious person, a communal leader, and he made him into a wagon driver to save the neshama of one. And he says, I... I'm going to take a wagon driver and I'm going to make him into a communal leader for the, for the, for the sake of many. And that Mitra Rebbe asked Yosef to become the Rav in Beshenkovich. And he blessed him with a long life and he lived into his hundredth year. He lived a very, he was many years a Rav after this years of being a Balakal. So this is a great story just as a build up to what I'm trying to point out is that this person came into the world for a specific mission and that is to save the soul of that Jew. And the Alter Rebbe saw with his Ruach HaKadosh that if he'll be the rabbi in the city, he'll never get to him. He saw this is the way it's going to happen. And it happened. But it's not that since he fulfilled his mission, game over. No, we have a primary mission and we have other missions. They're not the main mission, but they also justify for God giving us additional years of life. Furthermore, if we take upon ourselves a new mission, or in that case, the Rebbe gave him a new mission, then it's not just a secondary mission. Now you have a new mission. God sent you here for reason A, and now, now you have reason B. There's a beautiful mashal that Hasidim give regarding reincarnation that the world has a very wrong way of understanding reincarnation. They quote a part truth, which is very bad. Part truth is like a part haircut. You know, better to know nothing than to know a little bit. It says, truthfully, that our souls come back to rectify mistakes we made in the past. That's partially true. But it does not mean that every soul that's here, we messed up last time around, and now God gave us, God is so kind, He gave us another chance. There are other reasons why souls come back down. One of them is, is that if you did a great job last time, and there's a tough mission, who do you think God is going to choose to do it? The guy that failed last time, the woman that failed, or the person that succeeded? Think about a soldier, you know, you're the general, you have people, you send people on missions. You have a very difficult mission. Who will you send? You'll send a person that up until now did not fail you. It's good to understand that. That many of our neshamas were not here to fix something of the past. We were chosen to come here because whatever needs to happen is very difficult. So God picked maybe the best soul of the last generation to come back down. Now that isn't only when a person already passed away. You can be alive, you can f- succeed. And Hashem can say, you know what? 
You did a good job. You're living already. Why do I have to trouble an Hashemun to come back? You're here already. Even if you need to be given, I'll give you another couple of years and go do another mission. You give people new missions and that gives them new life. This is a very important premise to the theme that I would like to share. The theme that I would like to share, coming back to Basel Legani, is when we speak about framing our life as I am here to make some of this world into a home for God. What do you envision when you say that? Now, to make it clear, it's not one thing. For you, it's one specific thing. For me, it's another specific thing. But even, even me or you, we can have various missions. So uh, tell me, what do you think it means? Making a home to God. What does that mean? It can mean the home. It can mean getting married, having a home. For sure, it means that. And your home will be a Yiddish home. So there's kosher and the Shabbos and there's all the Yiddish things in it and you're raising the next Jewish generation. That's no doubt, that's the small Migdash that you built. That we built, that's a schos, that we have to make a Yiddish home. So there's a piece of the world, there's a home, right? 1064, I'm not going to say your address for safety reasons, who knows who's watching. And there, here, yeah, you're making a home for God. Yeah. The way that Hashem. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, not every house. I know that. That's an avoida. Or uh, let's go like this: every house. The question is, how, how often in every house? So is it ninety uh, percent of the time? Is it hundred percent of the time? Is it some time? You know. And the goal is to make more and more of our lives a home to God. But all of these metaphors are depicting a physical home. Can you give me another? imagery of a part of your life that should become a home to God. Okay, okay, very good. So there's the inner home. And the inner home, generally, as the Alter Rebbe divides it up in Hasidus, the mind and the heart, or Moichin and Midas. So there is, there is our minds, there's a certain way God wired us for good and bad, for good and challenge. The good we keep and we make even better and the challenge part of our mission is to rectify the way we think. Same thing is with one's feelings, that we are born with a certain nature, we react emotionally towards life in a certain way, by birth, by upbringing. Some of it is good, we have to make that better. Some of it is not good or not yet good and part of our mission is to Rectify that. That inner world's home to God is just as important as the outer world. And even though, yes, that the Hasidah celebrates Hamaisahu Iker Emes, and it, ultimately it always has to manifest in the outer world, Emes, Emes, the paradox of Hasidus. Ultimately, it's about the outer world. But for us to long-term succeed in the outer world, the inner world has to be more or less aligned with that. Because if the inner and the outer are very disaligned, it's just a matter of time that something will give. It doesn't work. And that's a big part of our mission. It cannot be the only part of our mission. That's not what Hasidus advocates. Like other segments of, of, of Jewish world will say, yeah, your whole avoidance is to learn a lot of Torah and to daven. It's like all inner stuff. It's both. We always prioritize Hamaisa Hua Iker, but ironically and paradoxically, the Alter Rebbe emphasizes the need for 
working with one's mind and with one's feelings in order to make that into a better home to God. The inner and the outer. The inner and the outer. Well, that's like Chabad Hasidus. It's <coughs> all starts. Even more than that, Chabad Hasidus is the word, the name is Chabad. Not, not Maise Hasidus. Chabad, 100%. I want to give you another, another just intro, which is extremely important about missions in life. And it's not one or the other. We have to acknowledge that there are many missions. There's my primary mission that I won't even know, or most of us don't even know really why they came here for. It could be for something little, but it doesn't abnegate. It doesn't, I should never tell myself, well, as long as I got my mission covered, I'm good. If that's the way I think, then when I'll hit it, then there'll be no reason for God to keep me here. It's important for me to undertake new missions, other missions, even if they are secondary or they began as secondary, that will mamash give me life. Listen to, the, listen to the beginning of the Parsha, which is so difficult to understand without, without this Hasidic insight. Yaakov Avinu went through a lot in his life. You should know that from our patriarchs and matriarchs, if you put all seven of them, who was the one that role models how a Jew should survive in Golos or thrive in Golos Yaakov Avinu. That's what the Zoyer says. Everyone, everyone has their own unique message for us, but beyond anyone else, the Jew of Golos, the Jew of suffering, that the suffering should not drown us, and the truth is, not, it's not about surviving, it's about thriving. Yaakov Avinu is the, is the Zayda that we share, that role models now and gives us inspiration and power to overcome the dark parts of our lives. Now, up until this week, we read about two parts of Yaakov's uh, life that were very challenging, family related. One was with the in-laws, very challenging. And one was with his brother, very challenging. And it took Yaakov many years, many, many, many years of a lot of interactions and a lot of self self-work until, until he figured it out. And, uh, you know, and, and, all, of the, and all of the Hasidus and that. Lavan, it wasn't just a father-in-law. Um, Lavan, Lavan represents someone who's disingenuous. The klipa of being Arami. Arami means a swindler. Now disingenuous does not mean that since I have an animal soul and I have a godly soul, and so does every other Jew. So therefore, sometimes we do the right thing and sometimes we do the wrong thing. That doesn't make anyone disingenuous. Chas v'shalom. No, 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 no. We try to uh, tap into the godly soul, people who are not tzaddikim, which is most of us, hopefully less than more, but sometimes we, we get it wrong. That's not called disingenuous. We have two inner forces in us. But when a person does make a mistake, when they, when they, when they express their animal in a non-kosher way, then you have an honest person. He says, God, listen, you gave me a big Yetzir Hara. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have done it, but at least I know that I did something wrong. We're not justifying it, but that's, that's, that's not loving. That's, that's humanity, that we all have inner struggles and we also strive to be more honest. And we know that, listen, we're good, we hope for most of the times. We try not to justify the bad, we all know, we all know that when we make a mistake, we know that was not something good to do. We do tshuva, we have a Yom Kippur. Parenthetically, I don't mind saying it now, it's after many years, 
when, when, when Steri and I were sent Shlichus to Hong Kong, so at that time, there was a reformed temple that tried to open up. There was 4,000 Jews that lived there. It was a very wealthy community. And there was the Orthodox shul. There was a Frumas Fardish shul. There was the Chabad shul in the hotel then. And a reformed temple tried to open. And there was a lot of opposition. Not, not from Chabad, from the city. And there was a meeting. It was a very interesting meeting. And during that meeting, the president of the city shul, which was a Frumas shul with the Mechitza, began opposing it, speaking in public that it's not good to bring reform here. And there was a reform little group of people that told him in public, you don't keep Shabbos, you don't eat kosher. So what, what have you with us? So you're not observant. And he turned, the imamish turned red. And he stood up and he says, I want to answer. I want to answer the question. He says that you told me in public that I don't keep Shabbos. I don't keep kosher. I'm red. I'm ashamed. If I were to tell you that you don't keep Shabbos, that you don't eat kosher, you won't be ashamed. That's the problem with reform. A Jew should not say that because we're not justifying. But he, may, he said a truth. What he basically said is, is that I know the Amos. I know that I'm, for whatever reason, he wasn't justifying himself. But at least... I'm ashamed. That, that, that's an honest person. That's an honor. He's owning up. Lovin, the problem with Lovin is not that Lovin wasn't, no one is perfect. The problem with Lovin is, is, that, is that when he did something wrong, he covered it and he made it appear as if it's right. He tricked Yaakov. He worked for Rachel. He gives him Leah. Lovin says, I did the ethical thing. You did the unethical thing. That's not the way it works. When you marry your daughters, the older before the younger. That was the problem with Lovin. He, was, he, was, he, 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 he fooled himself ultimately. He was a dishonest person. And Yaakov needed to deal with that. And it took Yaakov 20 years to deal with that. 20 years to deal with that. When he finished dealing with Lovin, then he has to deal with Esau. Now Esau was a very honest person. He came into the room with a big uh, machine gun. He was a murderer. Nebuch, he was, amongst other things, he was a very bad person who did terrible things he, he was honest, but he was an honest reitzayach. That's another challenge. It, it's a lot easier. It took him less time to deal with it. But Yaakov needed to deal with Esau. And the Rebbe explains that the mission for which Yaakov came into the world was to elevate, to rectify the, the, the swindle of the world and to rectify pure evil in the world. And he fulfilled his mission. And, 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 and again, if, if the way it, things would have worked is you fulfill your mission, then Shalom, he would have passed away. Oh, so now we begin this week. And the Parsha begins, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megurei Aviv, that Yaakov settled in the land where his forefathers lived, in the land of Canaan. I don't know if you are familiar, so there's a Chazal that Rashi brings that sounds so harsh. Vayeshev Yaakov. Vayeshev means he settled. He settled. So the sages say, Bikesh Yaakov Leshev B'Shalva. Yaakov wanted to settle in peace, which is what we envision. All you people are young people. So other person, I'll work hard my whole life, but at some point, I want to retire in peace. Yaakov wanted to settle in peace. So God tells Yaakov, when you read this, you're going to smile because it's like, it's like a chutzpah almost. But we misunderstand. What I'm going to say now was misunderstood until they ever clarified it. So God tells Yaakov, is it not enough for you to have peace in the world to come? You also want to live in peace? 
in this world, aha, uh-huh, I'll show you. And what happened that in her family fighting and Yosef was sold, which was the worst son in the world. He thought his son died. Even when a son was alive, you have to understand the double-edged sword. The consolation was that his son is alive, but the implication is, is that his other son sold him. When you say a happy, it was a bit sudden. Not good. So people don't understand that. What's wrong with Yaakov wanting to dwell in peace? It's almost that because he wanted to dwell in peace, God reacted. There's a word in Yiddish means not to fargin. Not to fargin is people that are jealous. If someone has a good, be happy for them. Not farginning means it bothers you. It bothers you. They have a good, it bothers me. Chas v'sholem. It sounds like bothered God that Yaakov... What was the problem with him wanting to rest in peace? So the Rebbe explains. And this is what happens. When, when we fulfill our mission on some deep level, some people are more aware, some people are less aware, we have a certain inner peace. There's a certain... Now, most of us are not that in touch with the soul, which is why we don't even know what my mission is. But if you were to know what your mission is, and it could be one little thing, but you say little, and it might happen when you're 20, not when you're 90. And when you do it, there's a certain shalom that your soul feels. Makes sense because the part of us that knows why I came here for, how do I feel when, when you have a mission that you are aware of? If you have a mission and you fulfilled your mission, every time NASA, they land a guy, everyone applauds. Eh, the grace. Yeah, because there was a mission. It's difficult. <coughs> you are matzliach. There's a certain, not arrogant, but well-earned job well done. That brings peace. Yaakov had that peace after Lavan and after Esav. But Yaakov didn't want for his life to go on without a new mission. The way Chazal word his new mission is that whatever level of peace he felt, that was according to the difficulty of the task behind. So if the task is that hard, then your celebration will be commensurate. Yaakov wanted to have a much higher level of peace. Which means that he was telling God, I am ready for a much harder mission. Because the type of peace that I have, I want more. Mamish the opposite. Yaakov didn't know what it will be. But what Yaakov refused is, even though he was not the youngest of a person, he, he's alive. He didn't want to get into the mindset, I'm alive. And he succeeded, he really succeeded. On any level, he succeeded. The Gashmias, Uberuchnias. So either you can choose to say, okay, mission well done. Now let me enjoy my golden years. And basically wait to die, which is what people do. Yaakov didn't want that. Yaakov is role model. Yaakov says, you're, you're alive? Take upon yourself a new mission. Yaakov had the guts, had the courage, had the koyach to tell God, I want a, a greater level of shalom. For a greater level of shalom, there has to be even a greater avoid. And that played itself out. That's God's choice, how it manifested. It manifested with them selling Yosef, with ultimately, and Yaakov got what he wanted. Yaakov wanted that peace. You know when he got it? The last 17 years of his life. So that's what the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says that the way he asked for peace was by asking for a challenge. Well, the Rebbe says he asked God for a higher level of peace. And he understood, he understood that when you ask for even a higher level of peace, what that really meant was he's telling God, God that he knew, he knew he fulfilled his mission. He tells God, I want a new mission. Give me a new mission. Give me a greater mission. Give me a greater mission. 
this idea that even though we come here for one thing, it could be we came for one thing, we, we, don't, we should not limit ourselves to that one thing. And the more of the mission, the more life you're going to have. And the more tools you're going to have, and the bigger challenges you're going to have. That's the thing. It goes together. The word mission means challenge. Whatever that outer thing is happening, it's provoking some inner. And that inner mission, you got you to you upgrade. You got to rectify something inside of the person to be able to deal with that. People say they're overwhelmed. That's the perfect wording. I'm overwhelmed because God has given me an opportunity to rewire myself even better. My current way of being cannot deal with that. This is overwhelming me. So there's only two options. Either that should go away, which is not up to me. And halavai, there's nothing wrong with asking God, this is too much. Because you can ask. Sometimes God won't say yes because God wants for you to become the bigger person for that to no longer be overwhelming. Was the uh, last 17 years worth it for Yaakov? The, the level of, of peace course. he got, but of with all that trauma. Yeah, yeah, well, you, the, the Yaakov, yeah, yeah. No one second. Yaakov, Yaakov was not looking for his own personal peace. There was something that needed to happen. If Yaakov would not have done it, you know who would have done it? One of his kids. And if not one of them, one of his grandkids. And if not one of them, one of us. But we're still suffering today, they say, for the selling. Uh... Well, yes and no. There's so much rectification that would have happened in another place and we also would have suffered. The opposite. It's a good cloud to know. Whatever we don't rectify in our lives, our kids will have to do. Just be aware of that. In other words, there are certain missions that we just, we, we, we can cop out. We have freedom of choice. We can tell God, I had enough. The selling of Yosef would have manifest in another time, in another place. It would have been just as sinful. And we would have had the disadvantage of not having Yaakov involved in the rectification of that mistake. In other words, there are certain mistakes that were designed to happen. Not it was designed for who to do it. That person is held guilty. But that there needed to be the primordial sin that needed to happen. That there needed to be the golden calf that needed to happen. Mechiras Yosef needed to happen. Why? It's like, let's say the sin with Adam and Chava. It's almost like Hashem not was okay that it happened. He allowed that that... More than... You say, if you read Tehillim, Dovra Melech tells God that you are Noira Alila al Yodam. That you make a libel against mankind. Dovra Melech said to God. Dovra Melech knew that that failing needed to happen. Adam might... It could have been someone else. So if that needed to happen, so Adam, so David is telling God, so why are you so... Uh... Exactly. Right. So what's the answer? No, the answer is, is because you don't look at it as God got angry and God now is vengeful. That in order to rectify certain things, in order to fix certain things, what can I say? I'll give you a muscle that I see in my home. Whenever my home is getting cleaned up, by me, if it's cleaning time, the first thing that happens, big balagan. Everything looked so good to me. Just everything was, you know, everything was good. Then everything comes out of the closet. And then, you know, that's the way things work. If you want to make things better, there's going to be a mess. You're going to disorganize in order to reorganize. So God made the world on a certain, there's a certain minimum organization that God made. And God wants for us to better organize the world, to make, a, to make from this world a home to God. So there's going to be a certain amount of needed disorder in order to bring in the new order, right? You want to make a little refurbishment in the house. You don't have to completely destroy the house. If you want to make a whole new house, you got to knock the house down.
and, and the, 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 the focus that I would like to share from the Alter Rebbe is that there are two missions. There is the outer and there is the inner and they're related, but they're not the same. From the perspective of Chabad, if we're going to put the inner as the main, so the way we have to look at life is, is that all of the outside circumstances, all of that is secondary. They're just there in order to stimulate inner growth. It doesn't even matter that much what the outside challenge is. It doesn't make such a big difference. And if that challenge didn't stimulate the inner growth, God is going to send another challenge. There's no way out of this. There's, there's only way through it. We can't escape this. Like I was saying, and if one, you, you, can, you can escape it. I can escape it. But then my kids will have to do it. If I'm alive, let me already do it. Certain things have to get done. It has to get done. Question is, who will get to do it? And the greater the person takes on greater responsibility. And a lot of it is self-determined because the mission that God gave me could be done and I'm going to take no That was the Rebbe. The Rebbe did it to all of us. The Rebbe gave us jobs that we were not necessarily born to do. Even the bringing of Mashiach, I don't think it was something that it was by God's design, it was by the Rebbe's design. He says, you do it. Undertake bigger missions. It's a great, that's a great way of living. Undertake, because every time you are in a certain scenario of life, what's happening is, is that when you do the right thing, you're, you're not only making that place a home to God, which we do, but like you made a mention, so you can have a home and the home is kosher. Now what's, what's the ruach in the house? The ruach in the house has a lot to do reflecting from the ruach of the parents. So the ruach of the parents has to become more upgraded and more joyful and more positive or whatever, or whatever it has to be. That's also part of making a home for God. It's an inner home. And you know, al-pi halacha. Al-pi halacha, you can have a certain amount of kids. You want to go beyond, you can have infinite all these ideas of undertaking new responsibilities. There's so many beautiful stories with the Rebbe and other Rebbe's when people, when the Rebbe heard that someone is about to pass away, someone is very ill. One of the ways the Rebbe came about giving them life is by giving them a new mission. Just to conclude, Yitzhak Kislev, a Gewaldika story with the Rabbi Lipsker from, from Surfside, from Florida. So he, he, he speaks about it, so there's nothing wrong sharing what he says, that physically he has certain physical ailments. He had a heart issue even many years ago, and uh, real miraculous stories with the Rebbe. When I was in Miami, Ashliach, in the early 80s, he, going way back, remember he had an heart, the Rebbe told him that if he promises to dedicate his life for communal work, he won't suffer from his heart. Well, these types of miracles. And Taka... Now, he, a while back, when the Rebbe was still physically here, he got ill, and he was taken to the hospital, and they needed to make a procedure. And, you know, I know the word procedure doesn't sound just a procedure. And we should be grateful when a procedure happens and goes, and the person comes out alive and better, because it doesn't always happen that way. And they made this procedure, and he was not getting up. And the doctors didn't even know whether they gave him too much anesthesia or whether the pers- they didn't know. And it was a, a real tzara. It was a real tzara. And his wife, may she be well, no, she was notified that, that her husband, they are unable to wake him up. He's in a coma. Not a, an induced coma, he's in a coma. So she went to the hospital and they don't allow her 
to go into the room because when she got there, they, they call it cold blue, whatever cold blue. It meant there was a moment where many doctors were around him and no one, not even family, can be there. She goes and she calls up the Rebbe's office. Rabbi Chadikov, she speaks to Rabbi Chadikov. She tells Rabbi Chadikov that my husband Shalom is in a coma. So Chadikov asked him, where can I reach you? So she found out the number of that nurse station. She hung up and a few minutes later, Chadikov calls up. Chadikov says that I have to speak to your husband. She tells Chadikov, you didn't understand me. My husband is in a coma. Chadikov says, don't you understand what I'm telling you? What the Chadikov was telling her is, is that the Rebbe needs to speak to her husband. She made the biggest scandal to be able to get into the room. I mean, she went nuts, nuts. They were scared of her. She needed to go into a craze of madness. And she called the office from there. And Chadikov says, is the phone by your husband? She said, not yet. Give me a second. And she put the phone by, by, her, by, by, by Rabbi Lipsker's ears. The Rebbe was on the other line. And the Rebbe began to tell him what he needs to do something. That there was someone coming. The Rebbe gave him a whole thing. A detailed thing. And he, he right away responded to it. And he had a question on it. And there was a whole conversation. And the doctors were freaking out. It was Mama a miracle. He got right out of the coma. And a whole conversation about a mission. So he fabrics and he says... Normally, stories of the Rebbe, how is he? I'll give him a bracha. Is he getting up? You know what the bracha here was? Not how are you. It's not about you. I got a mission for you. Something has to happen. And when the moment that Sadiq tells you, I need you to do something, that gives you life. You, you take upon yourself a new mission. Take upon a new mission, you have new life, and you have new brachas, and you have new health, and you have new challenges. But it's good. It's worthwhile. We're here. We're here to do a job. So we get to continue to do our job of making the world a home for Hashem. And I think a lot of that has to do with I'm asking the woman to join the Fabrengen tonight. It's important. It's important to gather on Yutas Kislev that a lot of Yutas Kislev is it's meaningful if we will make it meaningful. I'm telling you, certain Yomim Toivim Rosh Hashanah, most people, they feel something. More or less. Yutas Kislev, these holidays, if we don't make an effort to get together and if we make it meaningful, by undertaking something, as we'll continue tonight, even something minor, it, it connects us to the, to the Ruach of the day. So we are here to make a... a, a, a the, this, my world has to be a home to God. And that's my outer world and my inner world. And how much of it, I get to determine that. And the greater the mission, the more koyach God gives and the more finances God gives, and, and the more challenge it becomes, and ultimately we're going to succeed in making the whole world, the outer world and the inner world, into a home to God.